0: Welcome, everybody, to your daily dose of gaming news at Pixels and Pints for Friday, April 21st, 2023. Let's go ahead and get into this. So Capcom released a Street Fighter VI demo on the PlayStation 5 last night. Uh, They had a, I don't know, like a a Street Fighter VI showcase uh, that happened around 5 p.m. Central Time, hosted by Lil Wayne, basically going over some of the the modes and whatnot for uh, Street Fighter VI. We got a world tour mode. Players can create their own character, meet unique characters and battle various enemies to level up and earn rewards. Wearable gear affects the avatar's appearance and stats. The game also features a new four button modern control style and an assist button for performing combos. A fighting ground mode. There is a new character damage model and improved sound accessibility options. They also have tutorials, combo trials, arcade mode, extreme battle, and ranked matches. The battle hub allows players to gather and play games, including Avatar battles, and a new Fighters Club feature. Year one of the game will introduce four new characters, and there are plans for various events and a store to obtain special collaboration items. The game will also be the main game for the Capcom Pro Tour 2023 with a $1,000,000 prize package for the champions and... or champion, I should say. And a demo version was released that night for players to create an avatar and explore the world tour mode. Again, Street Fighter 6 is releasing on June 2nd. This is our last look from Capcom before the release. So I did download it last night for the PlayStation 5. I did play a bit of the world tour. Uh, great thing is that the character creation is robust, There's a ton of sliders and a ton of customizations for your character. And at the end of everything, you also get what's called, I think it's called like a a character recipe or something like that. It essentially lists all of the different modifications and the values. So it's visible on a single screen. So, you know, take a screenshot, you know, take a picture with your phone or whatever. So if you ever, I guess, need to recreate it, you have all of the individual slider values in order to carry that over. So starting off with World Tour, you start off with Luke, Uh, you have kind of like a little bit of a story mode, you go into, I guess, the the dojo or whatever it is, and you kind of learn the ropes, it's kind of a tutorial section, you learn how to walk and run and whatnot, and then you're basically unleashed out into the overworld. And, you know, the overworld is nice, you know, it's packed with a whole bunch of people and vendors, essentially you can go out and, you know, pick fights with random people, you know, everybody has their own levels. By fighting these people, you get to earn XP. I'm assuming you would have earned money too, but the demo didn't seem to let you earn any money. Although I guess it probably wouldn't have made sense anyways, even if you were able to stack money. So with that money, you can purchase consumables. With these consumables, you can eat items that are gonna restore your health. They also have some other items that can affect other abilities, like uh, being able to hit harder or maybe taking less damage. And it seemed like, uh, you know, outside of just, you know, talking to random people, it didn't seem like it was very robust. There wasn't a whole lot of things to do. You know, it's basically you go to the marker on the map, you start whatever the event is, either, you know, fight a couple of people or, you know, attack some people with a specific type of move and things like that. But later on in the demo, you you get to find out that You can run into like roving gangs or hostile people that will actually, you know, chase you and force you into battle. In the example in the demo, you had a couple of dudes with cardboard boxes over their heads, and essentially, people, I guess, you know, the bad people, right? The people who have masks, the mysterious people, the, you know, the, the, those bad looking dudes you need to be careful of. Apparently, those kind of people are going to be roaming around the map. Uh, forcing you into fights, and you kind of have to uh, fight them uh, that way. It didn't really happen in the demo outside of this one introduction section, so it lets you know that battles aren't always one-on-one. World Tour is co-op, so you can play with other people. And in this instance, you had a CPU partner, and it was a two-on-two battle. It it kind of works out because the, the fighting isn't, isn't like on a 3D area, you can't really move around, you know, it's still kind of like the, you know, the side to side kind of motion, uh, you know, you jump up and down, you can't move in three dimensions. So it gets a little hectic when you have multiple people like on the same plane, just kind of going at it. And as they uh, mentioned in the announcement uh, yesterday, they are, there are two control schemes. The modern control scheme essentially turns it into a one button fighter. I mean, I wouldn't call it on the same ex- uh, at the same extent of, I don't know, maybe a, a Smash Brothers, but essentially, you know, you get, you know, you have a, a special button that you can press. Uh, there is a, a two-button combination. I think it was like R2 and uh, the extra square button that allows you to perform like just combos. So for people who maybe aren't familiar with fighting games or is not familiar with the Street Fighter fighting game. They're able to use the modern control scheme to kind of get through the the world tour. They did mention that you could switch over to the classic control scheme, which essentially is like, you know, the six-button the six layout. You have a light, heavy, fierce for both punches and kicks. Although, I couldn't find a way to, to actually change it to classic. That was one of the first things I wanted to do. It kind of felt like they wanted you to use the modern control scheme for at least the the tutorial section, or well, I would say like the the first chapter, I guess you if you wouldn't call it the first couple of um, submissions in chapter one, or whatever. The problem is the the demo ended right when it was kind of starting to get interesting. Right when you kind of learn what World Tour is about, you know you can fight random people, you can go to. Uh, item shops and you know purchase food and other things like that to enhance your ability to you know dish out attacks and take damage you have a uh, clothing shop where you can you know purchase things for your avatar and apparently they're supposed to uh, modify some stats and whatnot but they didn't really give you enough time to to figure out like what exactly was going on you went in to the clothing shop, you bought a hat, and like that's it. Like there was only one item to purchase, and then after that, the the demo was basically done. There wasn't really much to it after that. So whether or not you could actually switch to classic control scheme, I don't, I don't know. I didn't get a chance to to check that out. It was, it was rather short, and the concept seems to be is that you're supposed to find all of these legendary fighters in the in the demo. They were basically letting you know, like, hey, you know, like, I was trained by this somebody called Chun-Li in Chinatown. You should go, you know, you should go talk to her and see what's going on over there. And I was assuming that maybe we would get a chance to, to either talk to Chun-Li or at least maybe do that section of the game. Because, you know, it's it's coming out in a, in about a month or two. So at least give us that little that little bit to kind of see, you know, what else we could do. Because what happens is that once you defeat these legendary characters you learn a, I guess a legendary move, I think is what they call it, which you can slot in and you can use that on your avatar, you know, to kind of customize your move set. So I was hoping to see what would happen if I got to get a legendary move from Chun-Li, mix it up with the legendary move from Luke and see how I could utilize that in some of the fights. So un- unfortunately we really couldn't get that far. And it's kind of a shame because the demo was, I was starting to kind of enjoy the world tour mode and not being able to do much more than that and just getting immediately kicked out to the the title screen kind of sucked. Another thing on top of that, by default, this is by default, on PS5, the overworld is set to 60 FPS and the fights are 30 FPS. Yeah. Luckily, PS5 apparently can switch to a performance mode that makes fights target 60 FPS. The problem is, is that you need to do it before starting World Tour. And it's not changeable after you start. It was so jarring, it sucked. I remember the first time I got into a fight with Luke in the, kind of like in the dojo training area, I was like, what the hell is going on? Because you know, everything is running at 60 FPS and then it just drops to 30 immediately after going into a fight, it was, awful. So the first thing I thought of was like, okay, maybe I can just go into, you know, I I push the start button and try to go to options, but it's grayed out. You know, you only have a couple of places you can go when you hit the start button and you can't change. You can't change from a resolution mode to a performance mode. Once you start world tour, bad news for PS4. Apparently you can't change it on PS4 that's just how it is i'm not too sure if the overworld is going to be 60 fps on ps4 but the fights for sure are 30 fps on ps4 with no option to switch that to 60. honestly like they they really should have swapped it to 30 fps on the overworld and 60 fps in fights That makes the most sense. When do you need that extra smoothness, the the reduction in input lag? It's definitely in the fights. You know, you can argue that 30 FPS is fine, but honestly, I thought there was something wrong with my game. Either way, again, Street Fighter VI is releasing on June 2nd. It's looking like it's gonna be really good. I had a great time in World Tour for the little bit that I was able to play. Um, I'll be interested in seeing what it's like when the full game releases, but, you know, I'm not really a fighting game fan, so I don't really see myself going out to buy, to buy Street Fighter 6, unfortunately. But for those of you who are really interested in Street Fighter 6, you know, as a casual player, if you're a casual fighting game fan and you just love the Street Fighter 6 uh, or a Street Fighter series in general, I think you're going to really enjoy World Tour Mode. They... They, it feels like there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff to do. And, you know, they just gave you a quick glimpse. Quick glimpse. I, I just kind of wish I could have played a little bit more. But, you know, if this thing goes on sale or something like that, or if it com- comes on the Game Pass, or maybe uh, PlayStation is going to get a, I don't know, like an exclusive, like maybe it's going to come on PS Plus or something like that. I mean, to be fair, PlayStation did get this demo a week ahead of everybody else. I'm probably gonna try this again once it hits uh, I think it's gonna hit Steam or whatever wherever it's gonna be on PC. if they have the demo available for PC, I'm gonna play that because I want to see what it looks like on there. It looks fine on the PS5. I just I, I just I just have a bad taste in my mouth that by default they wanted to make fights 30 FPS. It just blows my mind and it doesn't make any sense. Anyways, the the last thing that we're going to talk about today is poor Jeff Grubb. Jeff Grubb is catching some major strays for a comment, a passing comment that he made that he made about Hi-Fi Rush. And he claims from what he's heard is that Hi-Fi Rush didn't make the expected amount of money. Okay? It's just a he just he was on a podcast they were talking about revenue in general in the, gaming, in, in the gaming industry. And he just mentioned that he had heard that Hi-Ru- Hi-Fi Rush didn't make the money that it needed to make. Now, to be fair, people really focused in on that needed part of that comment. Now, if you don't know who Jeff Grubb is, essentially, like, and this is how I know him, you know? Like, I consider him a gaming insider. You know, he has leaks for, you know, events, uh, some information about games that have ended up being true. So, yeah, you know, if Jeff Grubb comes out to say something, I, in general, don't take his word as gospel. But, you know, I take it into consideration when it comes to some of the more, you know, inside baseball part of gaming. Now... When he made that comment, gaming Twitter, gaming Reddit, and Reset Era were all over this. It became one of the top posts in our gaming on Reddit. Twitter blew the hell up. Reset Era also blew up. They I believe they ended up closing most of the threads on Reset Era because everybody was going at it. Essentially, you have the Xbox fanboys, the PlayStation fanboys, and people who just love to start drama. They just were fighting with each other. Just like, see guys, Xbox is dead. Everybody who bought an Xbox series console is a fool. PlayStation, Switch, Nintendo, that's the real console, blah, blah, blah. That's essentially what was going on. Everybody was just fighting with each other. They, I mean, to be fair, Tango Gameworks is a, is a developer that you, that you kind of, it, it. they don't really make games for the mainstream for the most part. You know, you had the Evil Within series, you know, uh, an action horror game, you know, third person type thing. It's, you know, a spiritual successor to Resident Evil. You know, not everybody's down with that. You know, it's made by Shin. It was made by Shinji Mikami, who is basically the the father of Resident Evil. He went from Capcom to Platinum to Tango, and so people were like, "Oh, Tango GameWorks is in trouble." Hi-Fi Rush came out and it blew up on the internet for a couple of weeks. Everybody was playing it when they shadow dropped it, and now it's like, "Wow." we loved Hi-Fi Rush, but apparently they didn't make enough money. So we'll never see a Hi-Fi Rush sequel and Tango Gameworks is probably going to get shut down. Although it doesn't help that Shinji Mikami also left recently. So maybe people are seeing that as a sign of things that are coming for Tango Gameworks that everybody's jumping ship, we don't know. To kind of like further roll that, that, that snowball down the hill. Chess Gordon, a co-managing editor for Windows Central, just wrote, it's not a skating article, but man, it's such a sad article that laments how Xbox is being left behind for Microsoft's other initiatives. And I'm not talking about Xbox as a platform in general. We're talking about the core Xbox users, the people who have that box underneath their TV sets. So he wrote that, you know, Xbox sales are dropping while PlayStation 5 sales in the UK have surged by over 369%. We talked about that earlier in the week. Xbox consoles are struggling to maintain their foothold in the gaming market, and sales in Japan have been especially weak. Really has. They, I think I believe they're moving dozens of consoles in Japan right now. Despite this, Xbox ha- as a platform continues to perform better than ever with 120, million, with 120 million active users. However, Xbox fans are feeling left behind as their platform's priorities shift towards multi-purpose cloud servers instead of home console stock levels. I'm not really too sure if stock levels are really the issue. Maybe there's just not enough people wanting to purchase Xbox consoles, to be fair. Xbox is seemingly focusing on their their cloud gaming platform. They want to see people play their games on maybe something other than an Xbox. And so, who needs Xboxes if even Microsoft doesn't want you to play these games on Xbox? The desirability of Xbox Game Pass is also questionable, as in, as indie developers see not don't see an opportunity to make money on Xbox. Xbox fans are pi- pinning Xbox fans are pinning their hopes on the upcoming Starfield game, which I guess is kind of true, as as an indie developer. Essentially, what you're doing is you're kind of signing your life away when it comes to getting your game on on Game Pass. You're hoping that the money that Microsoft is giving you is enough to cover your costs as a developer in order to get the game out and hope that it doesn't just crater your sales because of it. Some people have said that indie developers love Game Pass because... Oh my God! The amount of publicity and just marketing potential that comes from having your game being available on Game Pass just ignites sales on other platforms. So many developers are saying that's not true, and I mean, it, it's tough to it's it's tough to really say because a lot of these agreements are locked behind NDAs, so we kind of have to take that kind of information with a grain of salt. We don't know if game pass is worth it for indie developers we just know that it's good a good way to get a large chunk of money up front although i think i have heard that there are some other ways of earning money uh this may be i might i might be mixing it with uh epics game store but i know on i want to say that on epics game store you can also get paid based on the amount of people who actually play your game And I don't know if Xbox has, they probably have a whole bunch of different varying kinds of agreements when it comes to putting your game on Game Pass. So it could depend. So Xbox Cloud Gaming allows players to stream games over the internet, but the experience still isn't good enough. Microsoft's execution of its ambitious effort to expand the Xbox platform to other platforms isn't good enough so far and risks undermining the console core of the gaming division. I have tried Xbox Cloud Gaming. And I'll let you know right now. It's kind of shit. It's not good at all. What was it I played? I don't think it was Wolong. It was like Legend of Tian Ding. It was one of those games. It was, I think it was a smaller game. But I, I did try it on Xbox. Ga- uh, the Cloud Gaming platform. And you know it's, it's really good. It's... There, there isn't a lot of barriers in your way to play it. It loads up in your browser, you know, it does its thing, and then basically you you get the title screen. You know, as long as you have an Xbox controller connected to your PC, it's awesome. The The problem is, is that in my experience, and I have like a gigabit, I have a gigabit running, I have fiber running to the house, and still, it was like I was looking, I was looking at like a, what is it, like a, 240p video or something like that on on YouTube it was awful the, the amount of macro blocking and just fuzziness of the image was terrible. I can't really remember much about the input latency but it didn't seem that bad but God the the picture quality was atrocious. it was enough for me to not really care about Xbox Cloud Gaming. I'm subscribed to Ultimate, so I have access to it. I just don't see a reason for it, to be honest. Xbox is facing criticism for its multi-platform strategy, which some argue is detracting from the core console experience. While Xbox is investing in a multimodal future, which includes Xbox Cloud Gaming built into Samsung TVs and cloud-first devices from manufacturers like Razer and LG, some believe it is sapping development bandwidth from its core console experience. Xbox users have expressed frustration over issues such as improvements to the Xbox Game DVR, a cluttered dashboard experience, and spammy games in the Xbox Achievement System. Xbox's first-party offerings has expanded through acquisitions, but the management layer overseeing this expansion is unclear. The criticism of Xbox comes amid reports that PlayStation 5 sales in the UK have surged, while Xbox sales have dropped. And, you know... Jez isn't wrong here. Microsoft has made a big push into getting their cloud gaming platform included in all of these other types of devices. The Samsung TVs, the Razors, and the LGs. I think I have an LG TV. I haven't checked to see if cloud gaming is built into it. I'll have to check it out. But the point is, it seems that Microsoft is trying to expand into all of these different avenues and since Microsoft is so secretive about all these things going on we have no idea how lucrative any of these partnerships are we have no idea if if it's something that's going to come around for like you know one or two cycles of these TVs you know maybe it'll come out for the 2023 TV for Samsung and LG and whatever Razer device is coming out and then that's it. It's gone. The initiative is dead because, you know, there was no there was nobody actually purchasing these products to use for Xbox Cloud Gaming. We also talked earlier, I, th- I think it was earlier this week about, or maybe it was last week, about the cluttered dashboard experience, so that Microsoft was going back to the drawing board and kind of resetting that whole thing. And I kind of have to agree with that. When I launch my Xbox Series X and go to the dashboard, it's filled with a whole bunch of garbage. It's filled with a ton of garbage. It shouldn't be very hard to find the game that you want to play, but you have to navigate through all of this crap on the home screen in order to find what you need to. I don't like the, I don't know what you call it, like a a slide out menu that comes out to kind of like, you know, switch you to different sections in in the Xbox UI, I'm not a UI specialist at all, but you know I work in the mobile space, and you know with the constrained amount of footprint that you have in order to communicate these kinds of actions and how to you know, like you know make it intuitive for people to find the information they're looking for in a constrained space, it kind of feels like Microsoft is using that as an opportunity to you know target ads. You know what I mean? for somebody who's invested $500 plus maybe a you know $10 to $15 a month subscription fee and you're being inundated with ads that are taking up precious space i hate microsoft on the windows platform because of that when i launch when i launch my start menu i don't want to see ads you know i don't need to be shoved with all of these products that i don't want and you can't turn this off Essentially, it gets to the point now where if you're using any of these operating systems, it's in Microsoft's interest in order to upsell you on something or to get money from a third party to kind of take up space in your start menu or take up space in your Xbox dashboard. It's kind of terrible. Gordon continues that despite frustration among core fans, Microsoft's horizontal expansion approach seems to be working financially, with Xbox becoming a much larger organization. However, the expansion shouldn't come at the cost of existing customers. The upcoming acquisition of Activision Blizzard could bring engagement to new heights and subsidize investments in fixing Xbox platform interface issues. While the expansion strategy makes sense, it shouldn't compromise the core Xbox experience, Microsoft faces an uphill climb to fix its issues and execute its vision without sacrificing the console community. And we'll see. Rumor is is that Activision Blizzard, that whole thing with the CMA, you know, blocking the acquisition, that should be a non-issue sometime in the next couple of months. But we'll see. Uh, Right now, we know that Diablo 4, I believe, has already been confirmed that it is not going to be on Game Pass. So I think we're starting to see Microsoft starting to maybe make expectations that there's going to be some experiences that you're going to have to pay for. That Microsoft will not foot the bill. Maybe they understand that Diablo 4 is going to print money. And from my experience like it seems like Diablo 4 is going to be amazing. So they don't want to give that away for free on Game Pass. We'll see. At least for now, Bethesda's output is gonna be all on Game Pass day one. We know that again Diablo 4 is gonna be on Game Pass. It doesn't seem like being a Game Pass ultimate subscriber, even isn't gonna give you any benefits on the World of Warcraft side. We assume that Microsoft is going to be giving you the, the Call of Duties and whatnot, but we still haven't haven't seen exactly what their plans are for that. And we probably won't see that coming up for probably another six six months or so after the acquisition. So on top of all of this drama, we had Aaron Greenberg, who is a vice president of Xbox Games Marketing at Microsoft, tweeting that Hi-Fi Rush met all expectations. Phil Spencer retweeted that, apparently. We also had people bringing out a leaked email that was announcing the departure of Shinji Mikami from Tango Gameworks from earlier this year. There was a senior vice president of development at Bethesda, Todd Vaughn, who said that Hi-Fi Rush was one of the most successful launches for Bethesda and Xbox in recent years. To be fair to all parties, everything they said could have been true. You know, Jeff Grubb could have heard correctly that it didn't meet its monetary goals. Aaron Greenberg could also be correct that it met all expectations. Why? Because we don't know what their expectations were. Xbox, again, is essentially a black box when it comes to any kind of performance metrics. We don't know their hardware sales. We don't know their, their software sales. The only thing we really get is their subscriber numbers. Because that's kind of like what their metrics are. Quarterly earnings reports, they only cover high-level expectations on their gaming division as a whole. We don't know about how any of their developers that are underneath their umbrella are doing. Ches is right, though. Xbox has a perception issue. You know, the latest was the Redfall quality mode. You know, that was some more bad optics for the Xbox platform. We're a couple of weeks from release. All of their marketing videos have been at 60 FPS. And then all of a sudden they tweet out, hey, guys, uh... Yeah, about that. On Series X, 4K, right? But it's going to be 30 FPS. Hey, guys, you know, 1440p at 60, like that would have been cool too. 4K, you know, dynamic resolution scaling. Like that would have been fine too. Maybe, maybe it's not a native 4K. I don't remember if they, they actually specified if it was native or not. Regardless, it's going to be 30 FPS same thing for Xbox Series S. I believe Series S was at 1080p, if I remember correctly, or maybe I remember incorrectly. Still 30 FPS. Redfall has already been delayed an entire year. This was supposed to be released sometime in 2022. In, I want to say in the middle of the year, May, I believe. May 12th. They made an announcement that Redfall was being delayed into 2023, as well as Starfield. Starfield was supposed to be released, I believe, in November of 2022. Now it's it's basically been delayed about nine months. Redfall... I don't know what the original release date was, but it's probably, again, another nine months. And it kind of feels like the game wasn't ready then. And now, like, they're barely limping across the finish line. It feels like Redfall isn't 100% complete. You know, they had to make a decision which was the most important thing to put into the game before being released. As I said, 30 FPS, you know, maybe that's something that you're okay with, but just like the Street Fighter demo, seeing 60 FPS and then having it immediately switch to 30 you start to realize just like how big of a difference that is. And in my opinion, it makes more sense to sacrifice resolution in order to increase frames per second. I always do that. Any chance I get, I always switch to performance mode. I don't care how good the thing is going to look on my console. I want it to be smooth. I want it to be snappy. Input latency should be the lowest possible. I want to feel like the controller and the character on screen is basically an extension of myself. And it definitely doesn't feel like that with 30 FPS. On top of that, we kind of have the expectation now that Starfield is also going to be 30 FPS. That even though the game has had nine months of extra polish time, or maybe even extra development time, they have a very quick polish time. You know what I mean? It's probably also going to launch with the 30 FPS mode on Xbox. There's probably not going to be a 60 FPS mode. The Starfield footage that we got, what was it? I think it was last year. It was either during the, um, the Game Awards, Tokyo Game Show. I forget which one it was, but man, that footage looked rough. And to be fair, we don't know what that footage was running on. We can assume that Redfall, all of their marketing materials, was running on a PC. So all those marketing videos, the 60 FPS marketing videos that we got, they were all running on a PC. If Starfield was running on a PC, and it also looked like garbage, where do we really expect it to land on Xbox? The only thing, the only way possible you could run it on Xbox would be a 30 FPS mode. We'll see if they can do 4K, but man, if... If they have like some sort of like 1440p, 30fps only mode for Starfield. Okay, maybe most people aren't going to care. Most of, the, most of the people who just, you know, buy the game and play it on their box don't perpetually live on the internet. Maybe they're going to be fine with it. But man, the internet is going to blow up. So it, it does really lend some credence to just Corden's article. He works for Windows Central, so, you know, he's a, he's a Windows, Microsoft, you know, centric kind of person, and even he, he's kind of feeling neglected as a core Xbox user. You know, it's, it's fine. Game Pass Ultimate subscribers are getting the better experience, to be honest. That's the way I play it. Yeah, you need the hardware to do it, but in, at least for me, it makes more sense for me. I have the ability to, to purchase you know, expensive GPUs and CPUs, and I don't even play on my Xbox Series X for the most part. It's very rare that I actually turn it on. And this was like this even in my Xbox One X days. I played a few hours of Stated Decay 2, but I couldn't stand the frame rate, even on the Xbox One X. I ended up playing it on my PC because at least there I could hit 60 FPS. Who knows? Maybe there are too many studios for Microsoft to manage and contend with. Microsoft has come out to say that they have a hands-off approach when it comes to their development teams. And, you know, we don't know if this is just the result of that or if... There is some kind of like at least some internal accountability when it comes to things like this. Maybe Microsoft's a little bit more understanding. Maybe they don't push their, their producers and the directors to get the game out ASAP. Maybe they really do want the game quality to be very high day one. But with all the things that we're seeing right now, it's, it's hard to tell if it's actually working. What I do know is that I'm not going to be playing Redfall or Starfield on an Xbox console. It's really sad. I kind of like my Xbox Series X. It's a good piece of hardware, and I don't get an opportunity to use it much. I think the only thing I have used it for recently was the retail emulators, or at least the emulators you could play on retail mode. But Microsoft just took that away, so even now, like, there's nothing for me to to do with it. If I'm going to play a game, it's going to be on my PC with uh, Game Pass Ultimate. The real problem is that as the generation continues, games are going to get more demanding as Unreal Engine 5 starts to become the de facto standard engine for a lot of developers. We have seen Xbox starting to struggle now with some of the newer games. Resident Evil 4 Remake. I mean, it's not quite a 60 FPS experience, but it wasn't a good 60 FPS experience. There was a lot of issues on release, and we kind of got the sense that maybe development time was kind of focused on the PlayStation 5 a little bit more. PlayStation 5 also had their issues. There were some image quality issues, but it wasn't quite as harsh as Xbox was. And you kind of get the senses because, well, Capcom's going to sell the most on PlayStation. So, of course, you know, PlayStation versions of the game are probably going to end up having the better experience day one. And that sucks. And if you think about it, will developers really spend enormous amounts of time to optimize for Xbox? Because there's two skews? That these developers have to contend with. You have the Series X and you have the Series S. We've heard that the feature set between both platforms have to be nearly identical. It was the Baldur's Gate, I think 3 release, that we saw kind of like this crop up. The developer came out to say that they were having some issues with the Xbox Series S platform, that they needed to figure out first because Microsoft would not not allow them to release an Xbox Series X version without a comparable Series S version. So the developer was working through that. And, you know, if you're going to release a game on consoles, in that case, hey, we're going to release it on PlayStation 5 now. We're going to do some work to get it on the Xbox platform. Or will they? We'll, We'll have to see. You know, PlayStation 5 has a substantial install base more substantial than Xbox. And right now, the gap is only getting wider. So we'll have to see what happens as more third parties start to increase their reliance on Unreal Engine 5. We'll see what's going to start to happen. I mean, right now, the the gulf in performance isn't that bad. We just had Digital Foundry come out with their Dead Island 2 performance performance. Uh, Analysis And from what we can see, technically, the PlayStation 5 runs just a bit smoother, just a tad. Xbox Series X, their ability to hold 60 frames per second isn't quite as robust as PlayStation 5. But I mean, relatively speaking, they're the same. And the problem with that is we know that Xbox as a whole is more powerful than the PlayStation 5. But again, if developers know that they're going to sell a majority of their copies on PlayStation 5, why spend the time to optimize a Series S and a Series X when you can spend most of it with the PlayStation 5? Because that's going to give you the most return on your investment. So hopefully, hopefully this gets worked out. Hopefully Microsoft comes comes out strong. Redfall is coming in a couple of weeks, so let's hope that Redfall is everything and more that they claimed it to be. And Starfield is also right right around the corner. We'll have a little bit more at the Starfield Direct that's happening in June, right around E3. Well, it's not E3 anymore. It's the Summer Games Fest, whatever it is these days. So we'll we'll have to find out. Well, well we got uh, about, about three months to see what Xbox is working with. After this, we don't really know what Xbox is working on. We do know there is supposed to be a Forza game coming out. We haven't really heard much from that. It looked incredible. But again, they didn't tell us what platform all of that footage was running on. We kind of assumed that it was a PC. So we need to find out what that's going to look like on Xbox. And again, once Redfall uh, drops, this conversation is probably going to happen again. When Starfield drops, it's going to happen again. And whenever of drops, we're probably going to be having this conversation again. So we'll see. That's going to wrap up the Gaming News for Friday, April 21st. Don't forget to rate the podcast five stars and don't forget to drop a review for it. If you like content of the visual variety, check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash at Pixels and Pints. Have a great weekend and I'll talk to you on Monday on another episode of Daily Gaming News.